This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm your host, Nick Peter, along with my colleague, Adam Cattrall. All right. We've had a brilliant weekend, mate. The Echo Arena was absolutely bouncing on mm. Saturday night. There's something about Sweet Caroline in a live arena venue that just works. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was the fact that we were treated to some bouncy scouse house from Tom Stalker mm. prior to some pretty evil uh, Baconhead house from Masha Dodd earlier on the card. I don't know. But for some reason, Sweet Caroline just goes down. Why does it go down so well? I just don't I don't get it. It's the bat bat buzz. That's what, that what it is. Because everyone is. can join in. People can... They, rap, rap, that's rap. it. They've had a bevy. They're in there doing the bat, bat, buzz. <laughs> How many times did they do it? Because obviously it's Rocky's walkout theme tune Only as once. Well. They just dropped it once. Yeah, they didn't want to take the edge off Rocky. Because usually, as you said, Matchroom will play it regardless of mm. whether Rocky Field interaction or Well, not. I remember when Rocky was fighting uh, Callum. They played it to warm the crowd up. And yeah. then they played it straight after. So it was like <laughs> back to back because Rocky was making the ring walk. Put it on twice. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we're going to be ripping through that entire fight card ten- on tonight's show. Uh, of course there's so much to talk about both locally but you know the implications on a international stage as well not least for Rocky Fielding but for Paul Butler and everybody else on that card so we're going to be dipping into that card this weekend we talk about the highs the lows of course but also celebrating the fact that we were treated to a fantastic night of boxing on mm. there we're also going to pick up on Nick Quigley's performance out in Boston at the weekend and of course we're going to finish the show We've got it, haven't we? We've got to talk Hay versus Bellew. We've got That's to be it. talking about Tony Bellew's legacy fight. Can he do what he did before? Can he get... Uh, will it be revenge or will it be repeat? Are we going to chase this world heavyweight title legacy fight for Tony Bellew? So excited, Adam. I can't wait. I was mm. hoping Tony was going to be there at the weekend, but he was keeping a bit of a low profile. He was there early on with Craig Glover. He was, his, he was a lad who he managers who boxed first on the bill. But then he was away, Tony Bell. Celeb now, isn't he? Back into camp, I hope. Celeb. Get his head down. Nah, he was on for X Factor. That's what he was on for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On yeah. for a bit of X Factor for a little bit of chill. Um, shall we start with Rocky Fielding? Because he was on the show last week. Well, for me, he was he, he stole the show. I I've think so, to too. be honest. Absolutely stole the show. Mm. He was on this show last week, Adam, and he was telling us, I can't wait to open for the door to be open for me. I've got to kick it open. Mm. Did he kick the door open in your Absolutely. opinion? Absolutely. Um, I went out on Saturday night for a few bevies and I've got to apologise. If Rocky, if you're listening now, I apologise for the text message that I've sent you, right? <laughs> because you, I was out with the wife, a few friends enjoying ourselves and you sent me a message because you were live at the arena and all it said on it was Rocky, right? Yep. Now, Rocky, I apologise because initially yep. I thought that it was a negative thing. That you basically just sent me a Rocky. It just it, literally those five words and a little ellipsis, wasn't it? Dot dot dot. You Rocky. Just, yeah. Dot, dot, dot. And I, I said to the wife, I said, "Oh no, Rocky's not been sparked, has he?" That's a, that was my initial thought. <laughs> so I'm online and I had really bad uh, 4G and Wi-Fi, so I couldn't get the result. So when I got in, it gets on gets on the TV straight away, and the fight was already up. So I went right, I'll ping this up. So I pings it up and looks at it right. Obviously, I get to see what happened, and it was a first-round stoppage, fantastic performance from Rocky. He sniffed danger. It was old Rocky. This is like Rocky 2.0, right? There's a new Rocky there. Obviously, he spoke last week about new trainers and various things like that, new regime, new focus. All these things obviously came into fruition on Saturday night. Fantastic performance. So me, right? I've had a bevy. Now, sadly, I cannot repeat the message that I sent (laughs) to Rocky. Just sent him a text message, right? And it was full of expletives, absolutely going nuts that the kid was back in the mix, that it was Rocky 2.0. And all he sent me back on Sunday morning was, good night last night. <laughs> Tala. That's it. That's all, that's all he sent me back. So I think I embarrassed myself with, uh, with Rocky sending him a congratulatory uh, text message. But having watched it now on a couple of occasions, the thing... That I take from it yep. is since Callum Smith, there's been that air of nonchalance about his performances. He's been going in the ring. It seems like he's going through the motions. Yep. He's just wanting to get to the end of the fight and have his hand raised. There was a killer instinct and it was back. The yep. old Rocky Fielding, the guy that got us all excited when we used to go and watch Rocky Fielding, knowing full well there'd be a knockout. He'd come out all guns blazing, foot down straight away. He sniffed it. I mean, to be fair, when I watched it on the TV, I don't know what your angle was like in the arena. I didn't actually see the in, in the initial shot that stung him. Yeah, it was like 
when I was watching it, you could just see Rocky's reaction in his face. And I went, what's going on there? I couldn't see the first shot. Right. And it was then, Rocky's obviously seen a change in demeanour of Brophy. And then he was on him. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. Like he was genuinely hunting, of which we need. We need him to be back like that because that's his strength. Don't go in there and try and box for 12 rounds. You've got killer hands. Get in there and do the business, mate. I love the fact that he was, you know, he seemed so confident going in. Obviously, they spoke previously about the sparring sessions that they had. Rocky was on the show here last week saying he took a lot of confidence from those sparring sessions. He wasn't in shape. David Brophy was in shape. And I think that obviously helped on the night because he had that air about him again. He had that like ready breath glow about him again, which we've lost for a while. Yeah. Since Callum Smith, we've not really seen that with Rocky. He's, he's looked really weight drawn. He's looked a little bit disinterested. Maybe he's been a bit, a bit too... Uh, reluctant on his power where he's kind of gone in and gone I'm going to blow this guy away like John Ryder last time out of former middleweight uh, where he was like I'm just going to blow this guy away and it just didn't happen for mm. him and he just didn't get going but it felt like at the weekend it, it felt like he was trying to impress Jamie Moore and, and, and show Jamie Moore what he'd learned it, 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 he wants to impress the crowd of course but also I think he had that he had that respect for David Brophy and the fact that people were saying in the industry it's a close fight it's a 50-50 fight but also he had that knowledge at the back of his mind that I've sparred this kid and I know what where I am compared to where he is. Mm. And I think that played played out in the fight because Rocky from the beginning looked super confident. He looked nice and sharp, but he didn't panic when Brophy came forward. Quite the, quite the opposite. He kind of, it's like he knew once Brophy opened up, there was an opening there. Once mm. he let the shots go, there would be an opening. And it was one of those furries from Brophy where he just took one step back and a little left cuff, a little left cook, yeah, yeah. hook, come round. A little Brophy, left cook. That's a, a, a little that's left it. cook. Yeah. It's a weird spatula. <laughs> exactly. I like it. Just a little cuff across the top of the head. And that's what that's what put Brophy, you know, his, his head just went everywhere and his legs kind of went stiff for a second. As soon as that happened, Rocky pounced on him and the place just blew up then, you know, because it just felt like, okay, he He's needed back. that. He needed that performance yeah, yeah. to go, you know what? I'm not in the World Boxing Super Series with Callum Smith, but you know what? I should be. I'm world class now. I deserve a European title fight. I potentially deserve Zuga, who, who Paul Smith fought recently. Mm. I, I, you know, why not? Go for it. You know, it's good that, unfortunately, Ro- <laughs> Rocky himself didn't call anybody out in particular, which oh, it drove me around the bend at yeah, ringside. Man. Thankfully, Eddie Hearn got, got involved and went, you know what? Tyron, you know, Zuga's the man or the Europeans the one. We're definitely looking at this. We're trying to make it happen. You know, hopefully by the end, by next summer. And then afterwards, I spoke to Eddie Ian backstage and he was like, by next summer, we could have a triple header world title fighter at the Echo Arena uh, in in Rocky, in Tasha Jonas, which we'll come on to, mm. and potentially Paul Butler. He said you could literally get all three on one bill in a, in a triple world title matchup. And that's great. It's great that he's saying that. But again, I was like, I felt like climbing and ring. Oh, rock. You've just, you're back. You've just proved to everybody you're back. Mm. Call someone out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, make make everyone who's sitting at reading side at media write the story Rocky Field and calls out world champion. So tomorrow mm. in Germany, some other journalists will go up to the world champion and go, do you know Rocky Field and called you out on Saturday? And he's got to speak your name. It's mm. got to happen. Uh, it drives me around the bend, but he's such a nice guy. That's the problem. That's it. He is such a lovely fella, but Bellew's a lovely fella. I mean, yeah. but he's created a persona or he's created... Well, he's got himself into top fights, of which we're going to speak to a little bit later on. We all remember the BJ Flores fight. We yeah. re- Listen, nobody remembers the actual fight. Yes, we know that Bellew bingoed him around the arena, yeah. but everybody remembers what happened Arguing after. Arguing with, hey, kicking da- the Toblerone at David Kicking Hay. the Toblerone, dangling over the top rope. He was giving it the big one, and look where we're at now. We've yeah. not only had one fight, but we're getting a second one. Exactly. Two massive, massive paydays, two massive pay-per-view nights for Tony Bellew. You've got to do it. Yep. We say it all the time, don't we? You can have all the talent in the world. You can be as amazing as you want. But you're not going to get those big paydays if you don't run your mouth. I mean, look at the most talented, some of the most talented fighters in the world, the likes of Rigon Dow. He's mm-hmm. only just getting a shot now with Lomachenko yep. because he's gobbed off for the last six months. That's right. He hasn't, his mouth. he hasn't said anything for the previous 30-odd years of his life. Yeah. But then all of a sudden he's realised to himself, well, I'm not getting anything here. I'm not getting any deals on any TV anywhere. I'm not getting any shots I'm not getting any legacy fight. I'm going to have to gob off. He's mm-hmm. gobbed off. He's got a shot. Take heed from that. That's yeah. what you've got to do. You have to gob off in order to get yourself to that next level. Just a quick translation. Gob off basically means, <laughs> uh, you know, open your mouth and call for fight. Start a bit of trash talk and call people out. Gob off. Jeez. What's wrong with that? We're gob off. Do you not say that around here? No, we don't say gob off around here. What would you oh, refer no. to it as? Um... Mouthing off, I guess. Same th- it's the same thing. thing, man. It is, but no one would say gobbing. 
in Liverpool. Why Sounds not? like a character out in Lord of the Rings. No, I get it. Gobbin. Gobbin. Anyway, anyway great to see of, you back. Like. Yeah, speak, and speaking of fighters that call people out and careers have, have moved, moved forward rapidly. Uh, unfortunately, it was a result that didn't go our way at the weekend, but I thought O'Hara Davis looked absolutely outstanding mm. uh, in his comeback fight, obviously bouncing back from the loss against Josh Taylor where he was... Uh, where he was handed a bit of a boxing lesson, I thought he he was the one handing out the lessons at the weekend against poor Tom Farrell, who lost his WBA International Super Lightweight title. Going in, Adam, we spoke about this last week. We both feared that Said the, all along the there. power would yeah. be oh, with O'Hara Davis, but straight from the first belt at the weekend, O'Hara just looked so much sharper. And he looked and bigger big. as well. He's massive, He mate. looked big. I said then, Adam, that he's, he's deceptive. His arms are so long. Yeah, um, He can keep people at range if he wants to keep them at range. Obviously, the fight against Josh Taylor just came a little bit too soon for him. He doesn't have the amateur pedigree no. that Josh Taylor's got. Josh Taylor is elite. He's an elite amateur. We saw that with what he did up in Glasgow at the Games. And now he's doing the business on the on the professional level. He's he's probably two rungs above O'Hara Davis at this moment in time in the yeah. professional game, and rightfully so. Uh, but O'Hara's no mug. No, far from it's it. It's just that Josh Taylor's a brilliant, brilliant fighter. He isn't a mug uh, because he's got... By, if you've got equalising power, yeah. if you've got that knockout, one knockout uh, punch, you're in the game, man. You're in the game. He just needs to brush up on some technique of which he's still learning at this moment in time at the Matchroom Gym down in Brentwood. He's got an awkward style, don't get me wrong. It's weird yeah. to watch sometimes. He's not that tall. I think he's, you know, him and Tom, him and Tom Fowler at the weekend were both a similar height. But he just looks longer. With it, it, yeah. it must be them long arms, He's them massive. long levers. He just seems huge, and he was hitting Tom Fowler right from the start. He was a lot sharper than Tom. I thought but he jabbed really, really well. It's unreal. He really commits to that jab. You know, you don't see that a lot in boxing. Certainly, at, you know, at, at this level, once it starts getting to championship level, he really commits to throwing. A lot that of people jab use it to draw people out, don't well, they? But he's using it as an actual power. He uses shot. It as, a, as a weapon, yeah. But uh, you know, he came unstuck a little bit against Josh Taylor with that because Josh was able to read yeah. the jab, step to the side, and throw right yeah. hand. Unfortunately, Tom just wasn't quick enough on his feet. But don't get me wrong, Tom really never got a chance to get into the fight because that knockdown in the first round, that little left bolo uppercut or come hook or whatever it was I swear I think Tom was out as soon as that landed I yeah, think well. his head hitting the canvas is what actually woke him up again you know and uh, when that when that shot landed I immediately you know and I try and you know you, you've been with me I try and stay as, as as reserved and obviously as impartial as I can at ringside but as soon as that landed I, I couldn't help but stand to my feet because I was like it's over that's over. Like as soon as it landed, you could hear the crunch. You could see the way Tom's body went. He was completely limp. I thought that fight was over. Get the doctor in there. The fact that he got up was incredible. Mm. You know, the fact that he fought on for another five rounds after that is incredible. But with a couple of knockdowns in the second round as well, was there a need for him to go? There was no need for him to do six rounds, in my opinion. Listen, you know, I know he was the defending champion. I know he was an undefeated fighter going into this fight at home as well. He was at home, turf, all that kind of stuff. But the problem is, Tom Fowler's thirteen and zero going into this fight with only three stoppage wins in his career. O'Hara Davis on the other side of that is fifteen and one going in this fight with a bucket loads of stoppages. Tom was already miles behind by the end of the second round. He'd been on the floor three times, I think it was. Mm. Heavy as well. The first one Big was really heavy. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a heavy one in the second as well. And then, so, going into the third round, I was like, okay, he's the champion. You know, there's a potential, bo- you know, there's still room to get away here. But once he got, like, for the third round, Tom just ran away, you know. And I don't blame him. He'd been here, twi- you know, three times. He-, he got on his bike. He got through the round. Fourth round. Pretty similar again. You know, these are all big O'Hara Davis rounds because Tom's not landing anything. Fifth round, he's starting to counter a little bit more and everything, but you could you could just tell all O'Hara would do was winding up them big shots. You know, he had he had Anthony Yard and some of his boys sitting at ringside. He'd obviously come up from London and they were basically videoing the whole thing on their mobile phones because they were like, the, the, the highlight reel knockouts come in any second. You could just feel it at ringside. Mm. You could just feel that the more... It was uncomfortable. It I, was. I watched it back. It was uncomfortable It really was uncomfortable going through rounds four and five. Even though Tom started to have a tiny bit of success, you felt that success was because O'Hara was trying to let him, him open him up. Opening him up. 
You know, and then the knockdown came at the start of the sixth and I was just like, that's it now, stop it. You know, my immediate reaction was, referee, stop the fight. Referee, stop the fight. You know, and, and you know it's bad when people on the media bench are starting to shout, stop the fight. You know, and I wasn't alone. There was other people going, okay, whoa, whoa, that's enough. Referee, stop the fight. But, you know, in, in hindsight, you've got to look to the corner. You know, you've got to look to the guys at No Limits. Jimmy, I, I've got nothing but respect for. They're doing great things for the city. They've got an amazing stable. Danny and the lads down there, you know, uh, Lewis is a real good mate of mine. But they've got to take a little bit of responsibility there because they know Tom better than anybody. Yeah. They're a the really close-knit team. They're like mates. And they know Tom is not a big puncher and how hard it is. They know he's massively behind on the cards. When it got to that first knockdown in the sixth, they should have just gone, that's it now. You know, we've, we've been through hell. We've come back in, but he's just scored another knockdown. That is it. We'll come back. We'll fight another day. We'll come back. You know, we'll, we'll walk away from it. The fact that they let him get back up and start again in that sixth round, that worried me because I was like, yeah. you've got to stop this fight. Take the thing control, because Tom will keep getting up. Oh, that's it. So I was just about to say that. Tom Farrell, you know for well, you just watch him fight in that particular fight. That says everything about the man that he is. Mm. He is as brave as an ox and he will keep on going. But yeah. some fighters need saving for themselves. Bellew's probably another one. Yeah. They, they just don't have that off switch. They're no. going to keep going. That's yeah. what's in them. They are fighters at the end of the day. But I've seen Bellew get dropped. I've seen Bellew get dropped heavy. Get back up. The difference is the reason you never stop a Bellew is it's because he can knock he's someone out. He's got the power. Yeah. He's got O'Hara Davis style one punch knockout power. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Unfortunately, Tom hasn't got that. You know, and especially against a, a, a shrewd operator like O'Hara, he was so far ahead. We just the point I'm trying to make is that final knockout. He couldn't win the, sixth, the fight. It was he unnecessary. Yeah, it was yeah, unnecessary to see Tom punched through, punched and stopped in that manner. It should have been stopped before then. He was never going to win the fight. And, you know, thankfully, you know, I, I posted on social media on Sunday, Tom, he'd been back to the hospital for a checkup and everything's fine. But psychologically now, physically he may be fine, but psychologically, Danny's got a much bigger job on his hands now because he's got to rebuild him psychologically mm. of being, you know, he, he was basically destroyed there by a puncher. Whereas if Danny had pulled him out... Some of the blame then in Tom's mind goes on Danny. Oh, Danny pulled me out, man. I could have kept going. Yep. That's on Danny. That's his job. That's his coach. He takes that on his back and goes, yeah, okay. Everyone, if you want to point the finger at me, that's fine. That's my job. Main thing is Tom in his mind goes, I could have come back there. Dan probably pulled me out a bit too soon. His confidence isn't shattered. Yep. Right now, Tom Farrell goes back into that gym psychologically confident shattered in terms of what will happen next time he fights and he gets hit on the chin. Hmm. He will have that doubt. He, not in his mind does he think, I got pulled out too soon before, my chin's great. In his mind, my chin got exposed. Have I got a chin anymore? Hmm. Have I got a good chin? And that, that worries me. That was, that was the role they should have taken upon themselves. Hmm. Uh, plenty still to come on the show. Make sure you stick around because we are going to talk Bell here. We've mentioned him a couple of times. We're just that excited about December 17th. We're going to get stuck into that in the final part of the show. But we've also got quite a lot still to get through. Uh, regarding uh, Battle on the Mersey at the weekend. Fielding was absolutely brilliant. O'Hara Davis was fantastic against uh, Tom Farrell. Uh, but there was also some amazing performances. One particular from uh, Paul Butler. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, and Masha outboxing Stoker. Who'd have wow. thunk it, eh? Who'd have yep. thunk it? We'll get it. We'll get to it next on Radio City Talk. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. And we are obviously dissecting the massive battle on the Mersey card from the Echo Arena on the Saturday night. Obviously, there was probably about six, 7,000 of you in there anyway. A lot of people that did experience it. But those that didn't, you missed a great night boxing. Can I just Some interrupt you there? Stellar performances. Well, before you get stellar performances, uh, stellar is actually a nice word that yeah. you're using there, my friend, because we were giving away tickets on last week's show, weren't we? That's right. Of which people, thank you so much for your very kind messages on our, uh, on our iTunes uh, review feed. Uh, we spoke about this on uh, yesterday's boxing show. Yep. Big up to you. Uh, but also big up to the uh, young whippersnapper that tapped you up uh, for a bevy. Because that was the whole theme. That was the whole theme of mm. it. Yeah, exactly. So so uh, whilst you were in the arena, people were tapping you on the show. They're going, all right, Nick, you're getting them in, lads. You're going to the bar. You're going to the bar then, <laughs> so, so thankfully, I, I had no reception. I had, there was no Wi-Fi in the Echo Arena on Saturday night. So And I didn't bring my wallet. For all those people <laughs> that uh, got home in the nighttime and my Twitter just blew up and there was everyone going, uh, Nick, I'm in uh, row such and such. Let me know when you're going to be in the bar. Thankfully, uh, I wasn't ignoring you. I just had no Wi-Fi. That old, Honest. That old chestnut. Honest. That old chestnut. Uh, back to the boxing. Uh, for me... 
Three standout performances uh, before we get on to the, the other championship fights. Craig Glover kicked off the show with a first round knockout, the big cruiserweight mm. that Tony Bellew mm. manages. He now goes straight into an eight rounder on the Bellew Hay undercard in, uh, down in London in December. Mm. So that's amazing for him. So he's edging towards title class. That's five and one on his record now. But for me, Tasha Jonas and Anthony Fowler, the atmosphere just went up a notch on Saturday night. I don't know what it sounded like at home. But Homegrown, isn't it? Yeah, just like, you know, there's a real bit of sense of anticipation in there. People going to get... You can tell the city already is buying into both of these both of these fighters. Tasha was supported, of course, by a sister, Nikita Paris, who plays for Manchester City. She was on the arm of Nathaniel Klein. The oh, former, aye. Is that yeah. an exclusive? Well, it could well be. I what? Don't, I don't want to speculate, but yeah. let's just say they looked pretty cosy to me, brother. All right. Look at that. We've turned into Heat Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you're enjoying it. <laughs> uh, they were ringside cheering her on. I thought Tasha looked great. You know, she's uh, obviously another stoppage on that record. Two and zero now. Speaking she's, to she's Eddie, really taken to professional boxing. She just looks a complete natural. You know, Weird, complete natural. And looks like ages. Doing her life. Yeah, yeah. She's just complete natural and. Uh, you know, this girl at the weekend, obviously a girl who's, who's a veteran of 20, I think that was her 30th professional fight, mm. Tasha's second fight. She couldn't do anything with Tasha at mm. all. She just looks too long, too strong, too fast, too skilled. You know, no surprise afterwards, I was speaking to Eddie Earn backstage after the fight and uh, we, I mentioned Tasha and he said, listen, two or three more fights, it's going to be a world title fight. There's, there's no point hanging around with her, you know, and she doesn't want to hang around, you know. As we know, Tasha's, a, Tasha's got a baby and everything. She wants to build a life together. There's obviously that amazing fight with Katie Taylor somewhere down the road. Eddie actually said to him, he said, I wouldn't make, Katie Taylor's fighting for the world title next, as we mm. know. He said, the plan is to get Tasha a world title fight, hopefully here in Liverpool next summer, and then maybe the back end of next year or early 2019, we do a unification fight with all the marbles. So, you know, he's obviously got a long-term goal with Tasha, and it's not just about Katie Taylor. It's about making Tasha a champion of the world and then building up this rival, which which one day, obviously, will build into something a little bit special. So her performance at the weekend, I don't know what you thought, but watching it ringside, I was just like... I could watch Tasha fight every all day. Week. Yeah, like the, fr- from the next gen debut in Newcastle. The like I've said to you on many occasions, said to her when she was on our show a couple of weeks ago. It's the best pro debut that I've seen in a long, long time. Especially when she's had such a long layoff, having becoming a mum yeah. uh, since she left the amateur pedigree. Absolutely sensational. And then at the weekend, I, the, the only question I had was, how are you going to react to the home fans? That's yeah. it. That's the only question. Because we've been in the gym. We've watched her. She's sparring Stephen Smith, mate. Yeah. She, she's good. She's very, very, very good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the only thing was, can you, what, is the crowd going to get to you? Are you going to react to that? Just walked out there and cracked on, didn't yeah. she? It's like... All right. So, it was, it was so you've, nice got temper- well, you've got temperament as well yeah, as talent. She's got this real fan base as well. That is not a yeah. fan base that you would that you would expect. That you know, Heat magazine. They're all there, mate. Well, that's what I mean. She's got these celebrities, but there's a lot of women there. There's a lot of girls yeah, there. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of young girls there as well supporting Tasha, which is great. Yeah, fantastic. And even even Eddie Earn picked on that up afterwards. He went, "Did you notice who was ringside at the time? Did you notice who was making all that noise? Mm. It wasn't the usual fight fans that you see. The people that are always at the Echo Arena, regardless of what event is on. You know, they're Cross- over stuff. It was it was people that not necessarily don't go the boxing that mm. had gone. You know what? I know Tasha Orovic because Tasha did some teaching and stuff, didn't she? She was doing some, uh, you know, she was working with kids and whatever else while she was out of boxing. And I think all all them people, as we know, she's such a lovely personality, Tash. That then people are now coming to box. She's got she's built herself a fan base up already. So mm. so exciting. And then similar to that, I I was I personally thought Anthony Fowler's performance against Jay Byrne, an Irish fighter that had come over with a winning record, he'd come to win. He had a fight schedule himself in three weeks' time. He'd, he'd come here to win. Um and he and he he went at Anthony Fowler. He even you know they even got riled up at the pre-fight press conference. I, I said to Fowler afterwards, said I can't remember the last time I seen a six rounder get go into a bit of a slanging match at a press conference. But I thought Fowler looked great. He looked so strong there. He proved to Jay Byrne, who, who said in the bit in the build up he had no power. He, he didn't believe Fowler had power. He proved he did have power with that stoppage. Mm. Listen. We've said all along that we were surprised that he would be finding his way down to 154 pounds to fight. Yep. This is a kid that has made um, a career in the amateurs at 160. He's been fighting up at middleweight in, yep. the, in the amateurs. He is massive for this weight. Not Absolutely off. massive. Just stood alongside. I mean, he's, this, he's a similar size and height to me, right? Mm. But I've got about 
two or three stone on him, but he's solid, man. Yeah. He's absolutely eight percent body fat. Yeah. Oh, he's he's and the, well, you don't get the nickname machine for no reason, yeah, do you? The true. kid is constantly in the gym, constantly working. I think he actually posted something yesterday that he'd been back in the gym today, mate. Go and have some profiteroles or something. What's the matter with you? <laughs> have a day off. Go and have a day off. But no, that's not his mentality. He's absolutely dedicated to it. I was speaking to a few people at ringside, a few Fife fans who were all lapping it up. And every, you know, they, they really enjoyed it. And they, they'd all bought in now. They're ready for this ride. They're already talking about potential British title fights. And, and even Eddie Earn again afterwards was saying, Fowler, you know, a couple more fights. I'm going to be pushing for at least an English or, you know, a, potentially a Commonwealth title fight yeah. by next summer. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no point waiting on the kid. He's got that much talent. You know, the only person in the entire arena that was, it would be wrong to say unhappy. I would say more fuming a Fowler's performance. <laughs> was not happy at all. Really? Go on. Was Dave Caldwell. Why? I spoke to Dave. I said, listen, Dave, you must be happy with that. He said, Nick, I'm fuming. I said, I'm not happy at all. He said, he is a million times better than that. A million times better. He said, I spoke to him in the dressing room. I'm disappointed. He's disappointed. He said, that wasn't what we'd worked on. That wasn't where we, that's not where we are in his developments. Yeah. He's better than that already. And he should have showed it. But what he did was he played to the fans. He got into a little bit of a, a fight with J. He said, he should be making these fights easy. Should be making it easy. So it, it was it was interesting to speak to because everyone was like, whoa, this is amazing. A stoppage win for Fowler. Woo, we're, we're bought in. We're on this train. Yeah, yeah. And yet his coach is going, if you're impressed with, basically, if, if you're impressed with that, wait and see what's coming next. That's what's really He's just got to implement what he's doing then in the gym, hasn't he? Yeah, of Rather course. than get and carried listen, away. He's only a young boy. He's exactly. enjoying himself. He's a young lad. He's at home. He's in front of friends and family, probably fighting for the first time in however many years. It, it was bound to happen that he's going to get excited. He's in an opponent that's having a little go back as well. So you're bound, you know, you, you, your machoism shows up, doesn't it? And mm. you think, you know what? Get my game plan out the window a little bit. I'm just going to drive this guy back. And I think mm. that's what upset Dave Caldwell because he's he's beyond this level. But listen, if he's so much beyond this level, wow, mm. can't wait to see what's coming. That leads us on nicely, uh, machoism, doesn't it? And throwing your game plan out the window to yeah. uh, Masha versus Stoker. We said, man, I mean, we didn't just say it. Every man and his dog that that's we right. have spoken to over the la- since this fight was made, we said Tom Stoker could make this fight very, very easy yep. if he wanted to. Round one, beautiful. Round two, Beautiful. Honestly, mate, I, I didn't know the result. Again, I said, I've been on a night out. I got home, puts the telly on. I thought, I'll enjoy this one. This should be an absolute cracker. Let's see Let's see the nuances of this. Round one comes out and I went, ah, fair enough. Right. Yeah. He's got his head switched on. He's not dazzled by the lights. He's just, he's just boxing. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. There you go. Round one in the bag. Round two in the bag. I actually was tempted then, right, to just fast forward and go straight to the end because I thought it'd be a 12-round yeah, unanimous yeah. decision for Stoker. Yeah. I stuck with it, round three, and I'm glad I did because I went, has, has his twin brother come out? Has, has somebody different come out for round three? Because he just chucked it out the window and he went, right, go on then. I found, I found one and two quite easy. Yeah, all right, Mash is traditionally a, a slow starter. But he chucked the game plan out the window, did Tom, and he just went, right, let's have a fight then. What are you doing? You've thrown the fight away. Yeah. And then he gets outboxed. Yeah. He gets outboxed then for about 10 rounds. Crazy. It was crazy, yeah. It was it was crazy at ringside because, you know, I, I I was sitting chatting away and one of the guys sitting next to me was knows Masha really well. So he was like, uh, you know, Masha's a slow starter, don't you know? And I said, listen, Tom was always going to start bright. I mm. said, but this could, you know, this was like towards the end of the second round. I said, don't be surprised if this stays like this because, you know, I'd spoke to Tom and Danny Vaughan as coach in you know two days before the fight and, and they agreed with what we said last week. I said, all Tom's got to do is win it take it round by round, outbox them for three minutes. Then at the end of that round, go, okay, here's a drink. Just got to do that for the next three minutes. Just got to do it for the next... And just build the round. Don't get involved. You might get tagged. Yeah. Don't get involved. But unfortunately, Tom, I don't know whether... I, I can't believe the game plan changed. I've got to believe that Tom at some point thought, as you say, this is easy, this. I, I'm, I'll show him now that I can beat him in a fight as well. And as soon as that mentality changed... It became Masha's world. Mm. Became Masha's fight. And listen, it sounds like we're giving we're giving no, Masha no, no, this, no. this service. He here. really impressed me the way that I thought the Masha was outstanding, oh, outstanding. Because once once it became his kind of fight, 
Masher was gone then. He, yeah, yeah. He, he put his foot down, got into fourth gear, and Tom was unable to go back to his boxing. Yeah, yeah. He was unable to go back to what he was doing before because Ben Masher got his rhythm, was in his ascendancy, and as you say, he was he was outboxing Tom Stalker. Mm. He was outboxing. Well, Tom had to try and force. He had to try and force it a little bit, and then Masher on the back foot looked yeah. mint. He would just pop, pop, pop. The problem I've got with Tom, you know, and, and I would have said this to him afterwards. He disappeared afterwards. But the problem I had in the fight is. Why is Tom Stalker standing, digging his, curling his toes into the canvas and winging in hooks? Why is he doing that? Hooks to the body, which have got no effect. Why is he doing that? Meanwhile, Masha's throwing straight punches right through the middle. Mm. So he's trying to throw hooks. And in the time he's, his, his arm's coming round in a big in a big semicircle to try and land, Masha's already threw a punch, a jab or a right hand. He was, he was leading with right hands mm. right through the middle. You know, it's just like... That's what Tom should be doing. Like, mm. why is Tom Stalker not this beautiful, elegant, straight punching machine? Just a one-two machine, one-two and gone, one-two and gone. And Masha would have been chasing shadows all night. That's what I thought we were going to get. And in the first, second round, I thought, there you go, that's yep. it. That's all you've got to do is punch and move, punch and move, straight shots, bang bang and away. Tom Stalker's not got the power to hurt Masha Dodd, but that didn't matter if he'd have boxed them. Like he was an amateur, amateur style, box and move, box and move, hit and don't get hit. Tom Stalker could have won that easy. And after two rounds, I thought that's where we were going. Such a shame because he looks really well, doesn't he? He looks really well. He's got really such well. an elegant style. And man. you know what? He's a lovely kid, Tom, as well. Yeah, he's lovely a good lad. kid. His family is lovely. You know, you really want it for him. Mm. But unfortunately, he's got to learn that this is professional boxing, you know. And at the end of the day, not every fight's going to be a fight. He's not got the power. He's fit as anything, Tom, mm. but he's not got the power or the durability. His own chin's not strong enough to go through wars like that. Mm. He play, he, he, for me, if Masha Dodd had written the script for that fight and dropped it off at Tom's, that, that's what it felt like. It felt like Masha went, okay, this is how the fight's going to play out, Tom. You play your part, and Tom went, okay, yeah, great. Super, that'll do me. That's how it felt. Mm. It couldn't have gone, for me, it couldn't have gone any more Masha than, as I say, if he'd scripted himself. Absolutely. The Masha story continues though what Phenomenal. an unbelievable story didn't even walk into the gym till he was about 23 24 years of age yeah. picked up this game in the last seven or eight years has been just this unbelievable ride where's it going to end nobody knows man but i'm enjoying every single minute of it his fans masha masha bumaye all yeah, that yeah. type of stuff i absolutely Funny. oh mate his, his little lad was running around at ringside as well and he when he first come out masha's wife was there as partner sure it is his wife uh and their son had come out and, and they're sitting there and he's got a full suit on shirt tie and Men. everything he looked great you know he looked like he was going to church and he's sitting there watching his dad and he come out fully rigged out during the course of 12 rounds by the end of it the little fella had shit never mind jacket off shit wide open yeah, yeah. all buttons ties open ties around his tie head tie around his head <laughs> and he's running around the ring absolutely you know it's just like at a playground it was so funny so funny what, but sport needs characters like Masha of course I mean everything that we see in the build up the weigh in then the actual fight you root for people like that and I'm going to keep rooting for him hopefully this ride isn't over yet and we yep. uh, we can go to the it, next it level it reminds me of the Sam Eggington story in a it's lot great. of ways you know it, this is a guy that people didn't expect too much of mm. and yet look at him now he's riding the crest of a wave mm. I just hope he gets a shot at the British title uh, and I hope it, you know potentially maybe even one step further who knows well. who knows uh, one man that we have always expected massive things from is Paul Butler former world champion um, has had a, maybe a, yeah we could say Rocky Road over the last two or three years whether yeah. it be promotional differences or whether it's just not getting the shot or the change of trainers his own discipline all these types of things I'll tell you something mate at the weekend that is what I expect from Paul Butler. Yeah. And that, with all due respect to him, I mean, I know he might have exceeded some other people's expectations, but that Paul Butler is the Paul Butler I expect to see. He looked absolutely superb. Went about his business fantastic. Obviously listening to instructions in the corner. Yeah. And he just looked mint. And I'm so looking forward now to 2018 and who it's going to be, whether it's WBA, yep. whether it's going to be IBF, because Paul Butler is right back into that world title mix. Of course, yeah. Well, he, he already said that afterwards that um, he's going to be going to Monaco. He's going to be sitting ringside when Jamie MacDonald defends his WBA title. Mm -hmm. uh, is it WBA? Yeah, yeah. Against Solis. Uh, against Solis, yeah. So he, he's he, that was what kind of what that was for at the weekend. Apparently, Jamie. That's not an easy fight, you know, because Solis no, won no. that fight previously. Well, he exactly, just got a yeah, stinker, didn't he? Rematch, yeah. He just exactly. got a stinker. So this is uh, MacDonald was there at the ringside at the weekend, but Eddie Ian said even if. Solace wins. Solace is definitely a possibility for Paul Butler as well. But, yep. You know he's definitely to make that happen. But of course, there's the fight uh, later this month as well over in over in uh, Belfast, in Belfast mm. which is Ryan Burnett, 
who's the IBF world champion, taking on uh, Triple Z. I thought you were going to go for the full pronunciation. Zakanov? Zakyanov or whatever. Zakyanov, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Triple Z. There's yeah, the yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricky Atten's lad, isn't he? So, ZZ Top's uh, getting there, son. He's, uh, he's the WBA super champion. Mm. Well, that's a unification fight they've got at the end of this month over in Belfast. So, Eddie Ann even said, you know what? That's a possibility for, for Paul Butler as well. So, and speaking to Paul back in a dressing room away from everybody else afterwards, I said, you know, McDonald, Burnett, you know, wh- which way would you like to go? And he said, they're both tough fights, but to be honest, I'd rather go with Burnett because there's two belts, potentially two belts mm, going to be mm, on the line. Mm. Uh, two, you know, there's, there's two belts there rather than just the WBA. So either way, and the it's style, great. And their styles match a lot better. Yeah, I they think, do. Because yeah, yeah. Jamie's obviously a big, tall, rangy southpaw, yeah. and it's a bit more difficult for Paul to get on the inside of that. Yeah. Burnett, it's, it's rock and soccer. Yeah, it's rock yeah, and exactly, soccer. Let's yeah. have it. It's more of a fight, yeah. So, uh, but I thought he was outstanding at the weekend. Just to come back to that performance from from Paul Butler, I think he he proved to everybody, least of all Stuart Hall, that he's matured so much as a fighter now. And you know that was like the art. I, I was coming out the the arena, and someone said to me, he said, uh, the the final fight was a bit of a a bit of a letdown, and I was like, really? You, you thought that was a letdown? I thought that was a masterclass. I maybe it's because was... they'd had a bit of masher previously. Yeah, maybe because it was rocky feeling, blowing people away. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, we, we were treated to twelve rounds of how to hit and not be hit from mm. Paul Butler. I thought he was outstanding. I thought yeah. it was brilliant. I thought he looked like he was on ice, and you know. I would love to see a count of how many miles he clocked up mm. in that round because it was all off the back foot. He was there, there. You know, poor Stewie all just couldn't catch him. He just couldn't really land a glove on him because he f- was just moving so yeah, well. Yeah. Isn't it funny how mentality and environment plays such a massive part in the way that someone approaches their work? It's crazy, isn't it? Yep. Because, don't get me wrong, I'm sure he's had decent environments in the past, but it's not necessarily gelled for him. Whether the disappointment of not getting certain fights under a different promoter... Yeah. First fight under a new promoter, you're top of the bill. You're at the Echo Arena. You've got a World new title en- eliminator. You've got a, a new environment, technically a new environment. I know he's been there for over a year now, but in Gallagher's gym, training alongside big elite fighters who are also at the top of their game, yep. going for world titles, European titles. And it just seems to me that he's just switched on. Like what the, You've known him a long time, but when I first met him, he seemed to be just going through the motions a little bit, did Paul, yeah. which was a shame, really, because of his talent. Eight and ten rounders for yeah, nothing. Yeah, and now it seems there's a, there's a fire in his eyes. Like yeah. we, Every time we speak to him, there's a bounce in his step a little bit, yeah. and you think to yourself, he's back on it here. Yeah. He, he wants this as much as we want it for him. I think I think the, the beauty of it is, and again, Eddie spoke about this afterwards when I seen him, and he was like, this is a buzzing division right now. Bantamweight is where it's at in terms of the UK. Like, all the world title belts are here. You know, why wouldn't Paul Butler deserve top billing on live on Sky Sports? You know, he couldn't work out why he was where he was previously. He couldn't even get on the BT Sports show. You know, he couldn't even get on the live broadcast on mm. the, on the, on the operators. And yet here he is, headlining a, a card in a final world title eliminated. Options everywhere. Um, and I just think that performance at the weekend as well, it it just proved that he's got a champion's mentality in terms of, you know, Paul Butler could probably do another 12 rounds today. You know, he hardly he got, he got landed with a glove. And when Stewie all did get a little bit of success, he'd come back with uppercuts and left hooks. And it was just perfect. It was almost a punch-perfect performance. And... Uh, you know, I, I said to I said to Paul afterwards. I said I could I could watch you fight all night. You know, it's it is like watching his movements, his shot selection. You know, everything about him is it's so it's poetic, man. It really is. Yeah, mm. it's beautiful. You mm. know, it's like chocolate. So uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. Um, just a quick one before we uh, move on to part three and Bellew here. Obviously, a man that was previously on our show, Nick Quigley, yeah, um, was in action in Boston taking on Spike O'Sullivan, a man that's making uh, big waves in uh, America. Obviously, yeah, since well. we saw him on these shows. Uh, fighting Eubank Jr. and get well beaten by Eubank Jr. He's gone over to the States and making a real career path for him, uh, for himself. And he took on Nick Quigley at the weekend. Uh, and he did a number on Nick, to be fair. Four yeah. rounds of absolutely brilliant uh, textbook uh, style from Spike, I thought. I thought yeah. there were a little bit of success in there for Nick, but I thought Gary looked absolutely uh, top, top class. Yeah, I, you know. Come feel, a little bit too quick <clears throat> for him, do you think? I feel for Nick because he's been out for 19 months. He hasn't been able to get himself sorted over here. He's had to go to the States really to, to push on with his career. He's been over to Mayweather's a few times trying to get fights. Finally, this fight came off for him. And, it, you know, an opportunity like this, you just can't turn it down. You know, it was it was that kind of uh, it was that kind of fight. But uh, he looked like someone that had been out for 19 months. His game is anything, Nick Quigley, as he mm. proved here against Spike, you know. But 
to be fair, I think Spike O'Sullivan did exactly the right thing. He flew at him, didn't he? Yeah. He didn't let Nick like feel his way into the fight. He just flew at him from the first bell. Um, so it was always going to be a little bit of a gun show. Uh, and I just think that 19 months, I'll probably caught up with him. I just feel for Nick, and I just hope that his performance will lend some way into other American fighters giving him opportunities mm. now, you know, because uh, he's no spring chicken no more and he needs to be kept busy. No, absolutely. Fell for him. Uh, stick around, because in part three, we're talking about the, uh, the, the the part two of the super fight. Will it be revenge? Will it be refi- uh, repeats uh, between Bell, you and Hay? Stick around, it's coming next. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. If you've missed part one and part two, we've just been rapping about the battle on the Mersey show at the Echo Arena from Saturday night. Some incredible performances, not least of all by Craig Glover, who opened the show, the big cruiserweight from Liverpool, who was managed by the one and only Tony Bellew, which brings us smoothly, Adam, onto part three. Mm. And the rematch is on. No Parker, no heavyweight title fight just yet. Yeah, which we were, which I was secretly hoping for. I was hoping for that legacy fight well, rather than I, the money fight. But well, you know, at the end of the day, surely it's uh, at this stage in Bellew's career where he's already achieved his dream of becoming world champion. At Hello, Goodison Park in mm. his eyes. Is it it's sure? Is it about the money rather than the title? Sure, you know, is it the right choice in your opinion? No, I'll be honest because I I wanted to see David Hayes face when uh, he uh, he ended up turning around saying I've got a WBO world title shot here against Joseph Parker. That's what I was edging my bets on last week, my friend. The reason why I thought that there was going to be delay uh, regarding the announcement of this, I said last week, didn't I? Um, as to why David Hayes has gone public nice and early, he's he's thrown it out there. He's given he's telling the people, listen, I've told Tony Bell, you I'm ready, I'm willing to give you a 64 split or whatever deal that he's decided to cut with him. He went early because he knew full well that it was Parker versus Huey Fury and there was a lovely WBO uh, trinket that was dangling in front of Tony Bellew's face. And the noises, as I said, when I was in the changing room with Joseph Parker last week, was that Joseph Parker fancies the Tony Bellew fight. That's that's realistic. So I thought that it just might get scuppered, mate. I genuinely did. I thought that there might be a quick turnaround. Joseph Parker, Tony Bellew announced for maybe December or January and then we could all, well, Laugh in a way at, uh, at David Hare because the way that he goes about David Hare, fantastic, right? Former heavyweight champion of the world. Yep. Probably the, with all due respect to Tony, probably the best cruiserweight that we've had. Yeah. With him uh, unifying the division at cruiserweight mm-hmm. in his day, outstanding. However, since retirement, since coming back, it's become a bit of a caricature for me, mate. Yeah, yeah. I love David Hare back in the day. Yeah. This David A, I kind of get a little bit cringed out with a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm thinking to myself, come on, man. What are yeah. you doing? It's it feels not... like he, belo- he belongs on Towie or yeah, the only way it's Essex these so days. Therefore, when, any, when anybody can pull the rug from under his feet in the boxing world, don't get me wrong, I wish him all the success in the world commercially. Earn as much money as you want elsewhere, mate, sound, right? Yeah. But when someone can pull the rug under his feet in the boxing world because of some of the crazy decisions that he does and some of the way, and the way that he acts within the boxing world and he acts like there's an entitlement, like he's got a God-given right for X, Y and Z, yep. then I kind of like it. So I wanted Tony to turn around and say, sorry, Dave, thanks for the offer, mate, but I'm off to go and fight Joseph Parker for the WBO Championship of the World. Yep. Sadly, that's not materialised, but... I would fully anticipate that the winner of this will get Joseph Parker. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, th- I certainly do think Joe Parker will be ringside for this fight. Uh, I think there's two ways to look at it, actually. I- I'm like you. I, you know, I'm disappointed because you know, I wanted to be sitting here in December talking about building a bronze statue for Tony Bell, you to go somewhere Outside the, the quickie. Yeah. Outside the quickie. No, not on, on the docks. The, outside the, the quickie, quickie on yeah. Smith Down Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be talking about that. You know, I wanted a, I wanted someone who I know on a personal level, someone that I've covered throughout his entire career. I'm talking novice ABAs till today. I wanted that person to to become the greatest boxer this city's ever produced and, and seal that legacy fight. And I think winning the heavyweight championship of the world would have done that for Tony Bellew. Now I think I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer because obviously the Hay fight, it, it just makes financial sense. Now, the, the other way to look at it, of course, is that had had Hay not, had, had Bellew not jumped in with Hay, you know, let, let's be honest here, the reason this fight is happening is money and, because the, and the money is tied in the fact that uh, Tony Bellew unlocks Sky Sports and he's got the win over David Hay, of course, Sky Sports box office. And David Hay brings that celebrity factor which puts bums on seats and means that he generates a lot of money on box office. But David Hay could have taken that to Joe Parker because Joe Parker, regardless of the fact that Bellew beat Hay, I, I would hazard a guess that Joe Parker against David Hay 
would make more money for Joe Parker than Joe Parker versus Tony Bellew. Good shout. Yeah. You know, so I think there's two ways to look at it. But now. where's the platform? Well, that, where's the TV that's deal? That's the issue you see. You know, that that is the issue. But I think that might might have played in the mind of t- Team Bellew and, and Eddie Hearn and whatever who've gone, you know what? We've got to do this. We've got to rubber stamp this win over David Hay to go, right, okay, it's gone now. The celeb- David Hay is just a celebrity. He is no longer a contender in the heavyweight division. We've proved that now for a second time. Now we are legitimately going to go straight into a world title fight. And potentially it won't, it won't do Tony Bellew any harm to have another six months as a heavyweight, a fully-fledged heavyweight, and just keep filling out into that position uh, and, and sparring heavyweights and everything else in terms of building up towards a fight with Joe Parker. Because he's, he remains, him and Hay are the biggest biggest op- options out there for Joe Parker. Outside the belts, yeah. Yeah, of course. Obviously, there's, there's talk now of him potentially fighting Dillian White. Uh, and that might come off. Mm. But I don't think he makes anywhere near the kind of money fight. I think Dillian White's a Sky Sports show mm. at best. It's certainly not box office mm. uh, versus Joe Parker. But I think Hey or Bell, you against Joe Parker is box office. And I think that's what Joe Parker himself would be trying to work towards as well. So I kind of get why it's happening again. Financially, I'm sure Bell, you going to come out of this in a sensational position. But I would, loved, I would have loved it to have been a heavy mm. title fight. I don't know about you. Because I know, well, I do know about you because I know exactly what you're going to say about the prediction of this fight, which we will get to closer to the time. Yeah. But I'm more nervous about this one than I was the previous one. Yeah. The previous one, I was absolutely adamant that Bellew would beat him. Absolutely yeah. adamant. I knew he'd beat him. And people laughed at me and they gave me a lot of abuse. I was on national radio saying, Bellew's going to beat him. I promise you, he'll beat him. Now, okay, there's that, well, David Hay was injured situation. Well, he, hang on a minute. David Hay told us that he was going to blow me away in two rounds. And for four rounds, he had two legs and he didn't get anywhere near him. Yeah. So back then, so confident, knew that Bellew would do the business. A lot of water's gone under the bridge since then. Obviously, Bellew hasn't been back in the ring since. I know that David Hay's been getting himself recuperating and what have you. Now, I'm not saying that I think David Hay's going to win this fight, but I think in this fight, he's got more... In my thought process, where my, where I am right now, he's got more of a chance, I think, in this particular fight. Yeah, I was there. And, and it might come down to a mentality thing, you know, because yeah. previously, Bellew's done it once. It, I, is How easy is it to get up for it again? Well, that's it, you see, because Bellew's been there before. He's already got that win under his belt. I think Bellew's back of his mind. He just thinks, I've just got to get through three or four rounds like I did last time and he'll fall apart. And, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I do believe that in a lot of ways. However, for this fight, David Hay will not be training on a boat in Miami. You know, he won't be taking t- David. He won't be taking Tony Bellew lightly at all. Mm. He knows if he loses this, his career is over. That mm. is it. Mm. So he will be training harder than ever before. Now the difference now as well, and this is no slight on Shane McGuigan, who's a great young coach, but teaming up with Ismael Salas, who's Jorge Linares' coach, mm. you know. One of the best coaches on the planet. Now, you know, I know he's not got the steep history of, say, a Freddie Roach or whatever else, but anyone that's ever worked with Salas, everyone that's been around him and, you know, yeah. people that have watched them with Linares and everything else, Salas is an outstanding coach and he will not be, again... He won't get mugged off. He won't get if mugged off. If he's slacking, he'll be like... Exactly. He'll get jogged on. So he, he isn't going to turn up with, with a month to go before the fight like Shane McGuigan did and go, okay, how are you doing fitness-wise? All right, let's work on a few things. Let's go. That ain't going to happen with with uh, with Salas. Salas is going to train this guy for 10 weeks. But, you know, David Hay is going to turn up the best possible David Hay he can be mm. at this stage in his life. Mm. Is that going to be enough to beat Tony Bellew? I don't believe it is. But... He's going to be an awful lot better yeah. and an awful lot more prepared than he was for the first fight. And that's where my nerves come and from. And that's concerning. That's mm. concerning because obviously I don't think Bellew will be as scared as he was for the first fight. Because Bellew was terrified going into the first fight. If you remember, he, he put Rachel and the boys on a flight over to Dubai, sent them on holiday, mm. fight week and, and during the fight. He didn't want them in, even in the country because he didn't know what was going to happen. He really feared the fact that David Hay has got the kind of punching power and he's got the kind of heart that won't give up on it, mm. that there may have been some real issues here. So that mentality now, I think, is slightly lifted from Tony Bellew in regards to the fact that he's been in there. He's took Hayes' best, if you like. Mm. And I think psychology will be thinking, I've took his best, I can do it again. Mm. And that, I'm right, that does concern me because it's such a big fight. Mm. It is a huge, huge fight. December 17th, 
Um, sadly, we couldn't cancel Bieber or whoever else has got the uh, O2 Arena on those spot. Saturdays yet. So therefore, we're doing it on a Sunday, Sunday before Christmas. Eh? What is it about Bellew with Sunday night fights? I don't know. Macabre was Sunday night. Yeah, it, it was, was yeah. As yeah, well, yeah so Sunday daytime, yeah. Sunday service from Tony Bellew. I love it. Mm. Um, what a way to finish the year. And again, putting to bed those myths of the best don't fight the best. You know, I think we've had a fantastic year right back to April, I suppose. In fact, even earlier than that, when Frampton, obviously, in January yeah, yeah. was fighting Leo Santa Cruz, and then a couple more that we got, we then obviously got the big one at Wembley Stadium where AJ beat, uh, took on Vladimir Klitschko yeah. and beat him. You've had all these fights down the year, and you think to yourself, 2017's been an absolute screamer. Not the best all. taking on the best. Politics aside, let's just get it on and let's see who the best really is. And so much of it's been based here in the UK as well. Mm. So much of it, you know, British boxing, okay, I don't think, I think at one stage we had 13 world champions. I think mm. we're a couple down from that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've got more people in world title contention than ever before. We've got more pro boxers active in the UK than ever before. Now, there's two ways to look at that. I think, I think it's great. First and foremost, it's great. Obviously, second, it's like there is a saturation at the moment. There's big time boxing on every weekend, as we both know. You know, I was at I was at Callum Smith. You were at Huey Fury. I was at the show at the weekend. You're at Ricky Burns' crawler this weekend, which, of course, we're going to talk about. Well, we talked about it yesterday, sorry, on yeah, our yeah. boxing show yesterday. Um, it, and that's just the Northwest. That's within a, what, a, a 30-mile radius? We've yeah, got yeah. Four big world title fights. Got to take it in back. turns. We've got to take it in turns. Which one to otherwise, we'd both be single. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we're both getting divorced next month. Lads. I'm got, but are you really going to the boxing? Because you're hanging out with each other quite a lot. What's going on? Uh, yeah, but it's great. If you're a fight fan, it is absolutely great. The only thing that isn't so great is then when they start to get greedy and start to do the pay-per-view. old pay per view. And that's rearing its ugly head Again, in the next which, few weeks. Well, we spoke about it on yesterday's show, didn't we? Eubanks on this weekend with his pay per view in the World Boxing Super Series against Abney uh, Yildrim. And the week after, you've got another one with George Groves against uh, Jamie Cox. Uh, we'll, again, we spoke about it on yesterday's show. And if you want a, a piece of that pie, if you've enjoyed tonight's show, you think to yourself, oh, I fancy a bit more boxing chat on a more world uh, level. For example, us going into Adept on Crawler versus Burns this weekend, you can do. Go to our website, fightdisciples.com. Uh, we're all over social media as well, at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There's a lovely little video that uh, me and you went up to Gallagher's gym, didn't we? We had a little yep. bit of a chat with Anthony Crawler. Very, very relaxed. Very um, forthright and upfront with his thoughts on, um, not a last chance saloon, because it's not last chance saloon, but no. there isn't much, there isn't a path really for the loser of this fight yeah. at the weekend, if they want to be at world level. Yeah. It is winner takes all, it isn't is. it really? And he expects a war, as he told us. Mm. Expects a war. And we're looking forward to that this weekend at uh, the arena in Manchester. Keep an eye on all our social medias because there might be some tickets knocking about. We've done all right for tickets, haven't we, for people? Yep. This week? I've, uh, by the way... I'm, Look after the fight disciples, don't we? Well, we do. absolutely. Um, well, you do. You buy them a bevy. Yeah. They buy me a drink Oh, here we go. Me. Oh, back at Crawler Burns, are we? So you're waiting. That's it. Anyone want to buy Adam a drink? Is That's that how it. it is? Well, if, if you win tickets off us, you know what to do. You know what I mean? I don't expect money. Just a, just a pint. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be fine. Um, but if we do catch you at the weekend, make sure you come and say hi. And make sure you're following us on all social media so you can interact with us. Uh, on all things boxing. Uh, next week, we'll have a, a full review. We'll go through everything that happened at uh, Crawler Burns because there's a, a couple of Scouse uh, lads on that card as well. And obviously, we're well connected to uh, the Gallagher's gym, so we'll be getting stuck into that and looking ahead towards Jamie Cox, George yep. Groves and in don't the World forget Boxing Super Series. For our Merseyside show as well, and Merseyside listeners, we have got our UFC show this week features none other than Darren Till, mm. the first scouser in history to headline a UFC event when he takes on Cowboy Cerrone later this month. So if you're into UFC, if you're into your fight sports, and especially Merseyside fight sports, tune into our UFC show on Thursday morning. You might be able to watch it as well because there are there's a camera crew coming well yeah, I wasn't going to say anything but you know you better get me fade sorted out yeah. before the you camera crew the... arrived well I have no choice I can't go to the addresses I might have to just have a shave <laughs> mate that's what it is uh, but he is uh, obviously the hottest prospect in the UFC at this moment time. in time so therefore uh, there's certain uh, people from the UFC and certain TV companies that are following Darren around and obviously yeah. us being his lackeys his bag carriers that's right um, we're going to be on the box so you might see a little bit of us in the studio behind yeah. the behind the fourth wall is it that's what they call it, what they I call it yeah 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 up the tower that's what we're going to well, call it, it. That's exactly it. yeah so listen there's only one way to sign off today's show isn't it mm. with a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of a tribute to Rocky Field and what a weekend we'll catch you next week here on Fight Disciples thank you for listening If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.